Exodus chapter number 14. We'll be taking our text this morning out of Psalms 57. We'll stand with us for the reading of reverence to the Word of God. Psalms chapter number 57. We'll start in verse number 1. And uh, I may read down here. We'll just read the entire chapter, okay? Psalms 57, start, starting in verse number 1. The Bible said, Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge till these calamities be overpassed. I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions. I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, let thy glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps, my soul is bowed down, they have digged a pit before me into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves. My heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Awake up, my glory, awake psalter and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations, for thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and thy truth under the clouds be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. Brother Isaac Kitlow, take us to the throne of grace this morning. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I was thinking as Brother Gene was giving his devotion this morning, and I was considering, you can just hold your place here. We'll get right back with you in just a moment in Psalms 57. But I thought as Brother Gene brought his text this morning and was talking in the devotion, a few things stood out to me as I began to read Psalms chapter uh, number 23. The Bible said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You drop down into verse 2, the Bible says, He leadeth me beside the still waters. I thought about how the Lord leads me and how the Lord guides me uh, along my way. I appreciate the guiding hand of the Lord. I appreciate the Lord standing with me. And uh, Psalms 23 and 6 said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, I like this part right here, Brother Gene, all the days of my life. And uh, I thought about that as, as Brother Gene was giving his devotion this morning, how that when I got saved by the grace of God, I began to, to read his word and follow the Lord and and uh, look to the Lord to help me through this, this sin-cursed world that we live in. And ever since I started my journey following the Lord, I'll be honest with you, I didn't realize all of the things after I got saved that were going to come up from behind me and try to take me down and try to take me out and the frustration and the issues of life uh, that were going to come just because I was a born-again child uh, of God. Uh, but I'll tell you this, I also didn't realize all of the wonderful Wonderful things that I got when I got saved by his marvelous grace. Because now not only do I have an adversary that's after me, but I've got one brother gene that picks me up and carries me along the way to keep me from being overtaken by the adversary. So I thought about Hebrews 6 and 9 while brother gene was giving his devotion this morning. It said, but beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation 
though we thus speak. And I understand the context of that, that when we got saved, there were some things that were expected and is expected out of us. But I'll say this, there were some things that accompanied salvation I wasn't expecting. Uh, but I'll say this, when it come up and the adversary attack and issues of life showed up, uh, what, a, what a wonderful thing it's been to know that there was also some other things that accompanied salvation, and that was the guiding, leading, protecting hand of the Lord, and I appreciate that. And it's been worth every mile of the journey. There's some times that I look at it, and I think, as Brother Marvin was teaching this morning, uh, it does get troublesome, and it does get to the place where you just want to beat your head against the wall, and you honestly stop and ask the question, is there just one more thing that could come up to, to try to deter and derail me? And I want to say this to you this morning. There is one more thing. There's always one more thing to come up and try to take us out and derail us. But I want to look at something. If, if you uh, bear with me just a little while this morning, Lord changed my direction. I didn't know uh, that I was going to be preaching this. I jotted a few things down. Honestly, this morning before I come to church and the Lord just dealt with my heart in this direction and changed my direction altogether. So you bear with us this morning. We'll try to give you what the Lord laid on our heart. Now, I do want to say this. We started several Sundays back. We preached a message on don't lose heart. We preached on guarding the hearts of the people. We preached a message last Sunday morning on ministry of tears or that of having a broken heart. And then, then we dealt with having a fixed heart on Sunday night. And I want to, I want to deal with this morning. The Lord would have me on having a fearful heart. We have a fearful heart from time to time because of the things that we see come up and, and uh, rear up in our lives. So no doubt as you read Psalms 57 and you begin to look at this situation when David has fled from Saul, the adversary, if you will, and uh, Saul is out to kill David. David is some kind of distressed. And David has this to say. He says uh, that the, uh, the, the God be merciful unto me for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. He said, I will cry unto God most high and the God that performeth all things for me. And so I began to think about how he is saying that God is the one that's performing these things uh, for him. I was reminded uh, when I read that verse of scripture of Moses when he told the children of Israel, Brother Gene, to stand still and see the salvation of who? Of the Lord. Moses was saying salvation is not here yet, but it's coming. And when it gets here, it won't be of anything you did, and it won't be of anything that I did, but it'll be everything that the Lord did. And so he's attributing the performance that day at the Red Sea to the hand of God. Amen. And that, so the Bible said here he shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up, Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions. Now much has been said previously in the, in the recent past about Satan, the adversary, the lion. And I don't particularly want to get all together into that and talk about the, 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 the lion in relation to Satan. Uh, much has been said about that in recent past, but I do want to say this, uh, since the Bible does reference Satan as to being that of a roaring lion, I had this thought about this little game that Satan plays, and you've probably heard it in your childhood of that little game called cat and mouse, you know. You've got the cat, and you've got the mouse, and the cat's after the mouse, and the mouse is always doing everything he can to stay away from the cat, who has a desire to eat the mouse. And sometimes in this life, our Christian life, it's just like that, Brother Gene. It's like a game of cat and mouse. You're always having to peek around the hole to make sure the cat's not near. And about the time you get out, here he comes, and it's game on yet again. And it just seems like there's a constant battle and a constant struggle. And I want to say to you that it's always going to be that way till the Lord calls us home. We're going to have an adversary that's out to get us and to take us out. But I love this verse of Scripture said, my soul is among lions, and I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. 
Let thy glory be above all the earth. Now listen, this is the, this is the verse of scripture that I'm going to deal with. If the Lord will help me a little while this morning. Verse number six says, they have prepared a net for my steps. So the enemy, the adversary, David's saying here, the adversary has made, now he's not only got a desire to get me, not only does he have a desire to run me down, not only does he have a desire to take me out, but he's actually made some preparations. He's contemplated and he's schemed and he's figured out some things to lay in front of me uh, that are going to try to take me out. In other words, uh, what lies ahead, there's already some things lying ahead that we've not got to yet, that when we get there, there'll be a trap laid for us to take us out of our service for the Lord. We look, we're always looking back and thinking about what has been. We get caught up where we're at right now. And I want you to understand, we better keep paying attention to what lies ahead because he's already in front of us scheming and preparing. And whatever you've done today to try to beat him off of you, he'll be back tomorrow with something else. But here's what I want to say to you. They have prepared a net for my steps. What are we doing? We're putting one foot in front of the other, right? All right, so listen here. It says, my soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me into the midst whereof they are falling themselves. Let me say this. Not only have they made preparation, not only is the adversary scheming, not only is the adversary trying to stay uh, out in front of you and constantly laying out traps, uh, but he digged a pit, Brother Gene. He's willing to labor and put some work into this matter of trying to take us out of service for the Lord. Now we pray, I don't intend to preach on half-heartedness again, but let me say this, if we're half-hearted today in our Christian service for the Lord, we're already in trouble, friend, because we're going to fall into the trap that the devil has laid for us. We're going to have to be all in today, friend, all in today. It says, they have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves. So we talked last Sunday about how it's almost like a minefield. How we, we are constantly having to watch and pay attention to where we put one foot and where we step and the Lord's leading us and guiding us and directing us and we understand that. And the Bible tells us that he'll be a guide for us. And so as he holds our hand and he walks us and he moves us around and he's that shepherd brother Gene that leadeth us as Psalms 23 had talked about. But I'm thankful, Brother Shane, that while he's leading us through this minefield and through this uh, world where there's been holes dug and pits made and nets laid out for us, that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. All I have to do is follow him. And while I'm following him, mercy and goodness is right behind me. Thanks be unto God for that. And here's what I want you to see. And I thought about this. I thought about how everything that God's got, Satan's got a counterfeit for it. Everything that God wants for us in this life, Satan's got something that makes it look better, you know. He's got something that seems better than church or something that seems better than living a consecrated, dedicated, separated life. And he's got all these things that seem like they'd be better for us than what God has. But let me say to you, everything Satan has ever done to try to outdo God, it has cost him in the end. Think about that. There's some things that Satan has done that he's not even yet paid for. But you better mark it down, friend. Judgment is coming. And Satan will be in the lake of fire for all of eternity. So let me say this. Judgment day does come. I want you to know that. There's a payday someday, friend, for everything that we think and everything that we do and everything we get involved in. But here's what I want you to see. For every trap, for everything Satan's ever tried to do to scheme around God, it's always caught himself. Now think about that. Satan tried to get above God. He tried to be God. He tried to be more than God. And what did it do? It cost him. Everything Satan's tried to do, every plan, every scheme that Satan's ever tried to, to get up on God, it's always cost him something. Now here's what I want you to look at. They have prepared a net for my steps and my soul is bowed down. 
They have digged a pit. So we see preparation. We see that of scheming. And we see that of hard work. Let me tell you something. Satan's working hard today, friend. Going to and fro and up and down in the earth uh, trying to take us out. You need to realize that. He said, before me into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves. So let me say this. The enemy, the adversary, the one that's laid the trap for David. The one that's come along and made preparations and schemed and worked hard and dug ends up being the very thing that traps them that was trying to get David. Listen to me. We can't help that people scheme. We can't help that Satan schemes. We can't help that we have an adversary. That's just life. But what we can do is we can hold on to the hand of the one that knows the direction in which we need to go. And we need not forget that mercy and goodness, brother Gene still follows along behind us and trails us everywhere we go. We talk about Satan trailing us and coming up behind us. And I thought a lot about that uh, as Brother Gene was talking this morning. Satan does sneak up behind you, but I'm glad that right there behind me with the devil as he's approaching his mercy and goodness. Aren't you glad for that? Appreciate the Lord for that. So let me say this to you. Uh, let's go to Exodus chapter 14 for just a moment. Let's look at something. Very familiar portion of scripture, I'm sure. But before we get into Exodus 14, yeah, let's go ahead and read Exodus 14, verse number 3. The Bible said here in Exodus chapter number 14 and verse number 3, it says, For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land, the wilderness hath shut them in. Now, let me, let me, let me call your attention to something real quick. We understand that David is, is having to fight for his life here. He's on the run. Now he's trying to defend himself and he's trying to stay ahead of the game, but seems like the game is always ahead of him. And a trouble everywhere he goes and a minefield and pits and nets and everything there to catch him. And he's, he's, he's fighting this situation trying to stay ahead of the game. And I, I want you to notice that Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and 4, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You're, you're not going to be able to fight. You're not going to be able to stay ahead of the game. You're not going to be able to keep yourself out of the net or, or out of the hole uh, or out of the snare if you get entangled with the affairs of this life. And Pharaoh, what he's saying here in Exodus 14.3, uh, for Pharaoh will say to the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land the wilderness has shut them in. Now listen to me. Here's what I want to get at. The, the, the enemy, Pharaoh, uh, is pretty sure, Brother Shane, uh, that the children of Israel have messed up. Now he thinks that they have got themselves backed up in a corner, so to speak, uh, and got themselves in a place where they uh, cannot escape what he's got coming for them. He's going to go down there and he's going to show Moses and he's going to show the God of Moses just who's boss. And so he's chased them down now and he's determined in his mind or the Lord said that Pharaoh is going to say that the children of Israel are entangled in the land. Now listen, what we're trying to do today is navigate this minefield that we're in and follow the leadership of the Lord and serve him without getting tangled up in a mess, right? But I'm determined that a lot of times what happens to us is we get our own self tangled up in the messes that we're in. We blame everything on Satan, but it's us a lot of times that get us tangled up in the mess that we are in. And so here's what I want to show you. If you back up to Exodus 13, chapter number 17, the Bible reads this. It says that it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go. Now we understand that there was a series of plagues that had been sent down by God to the land of Egypt that had caused Pharaoh to determine that it would be in his best interest to let God's people, the children of Israel, go and be led out of Egypt by Moses. But time and time again, Pharaoh has thrown the brakes on this thing and he's thought about it and he's changed his mind and determined that he wasn't going to let them go. But this time, in verse number 17, it says, And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go. So he's let them go now. He's determined it would be in his best interest to turn them loose. That God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines. Now as we consider Psalms 57 and we consider the adversary and how he's got holes in the ground and nets laid for us and 
always wanting to trap us and always wanting to catch us and always wanting to, to snare us up, if you will. I want you to see that it's only by God's leadership, that good shepherd that Brother Gene was talking about this morning, that allows us and helps us to get through those particular times in our life, all right? But here's what I want you to see. God is leading us. If you're saved by the marvelous grace of God this morning, if you've accepted Him and the free pardon of sin, you have escaped the charred walls of the damned, hell's no longer your home, then you need to understand you have one that dwells on the inside that helps lead you and guide you throughout this land that we are living in today. But listen to what happens here. He lets... Uh, Pharaoh lets God's people go. And it's, this is what it said. It came to pass that Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them through the way of the land, not through the way of the land of the Philistines. Now, who, who was the leader? Moses, no doubt, was the man out in front. But God was telling Moses where to go. All right, and so here's what happened. Moses is walking along here. He's left Egypt. And guess what? God has inclined to Moses' ear. Moses, I don't want you to take the children of Israel down through the land of the Philistines. Now let's look at why. All right, so I said uh, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. So let me say this. It would have been closer for them to have left Egypt and gone down through the way of the Philistines. It would have been more convenient, most likely. It had been closer to their destination. But God would not allow Moses to lead the children of Israel, the Hebrew people, down through the land of the Philistines. Although that was near, it says in verse 17, For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. So here's what's happening. God's saying, we're going to, if you take them down through the, uh, through the land of the Philistine, Moses, they're going to see war and they're going to be sorry. We understand that repentance is a turning away from what God is saying here is they're going to turn away from your leadership, Moses, and they're going to walk back to Egypt and be put under that bondage because the war that they see is not going to be worth it to them. The fear that strikes their heart when they see the battle is going to cause them to think that it'd be better off to go back to where they came from. Now, I didn't know when I got saved that I was going to have to fight the devil. I didn't know when I got saved I was going to have the adversary on my trail. The closer that I got to God, the harder he was going to work. But I will say this, friend. I'm glad I didn't know because it's been sweeter and sweeter and sweeter each day that passes by. And the same God that's leading me then or was leading me then is leading me now. And mercy and goodness has never left me. And I thank God for that. But what he's saying is here, we don't want to, we don't want to get them down here in the land of the Philistine. And we don't want to spook them and get them scared, Moses, because what's going to happen is we're going to lose them before we ever get them to where we want them to go. Now listen to me. Did God that we're going to find here that fear strikes their heart down by the Red Sea? We're going to find out that fear strikes their heart. Here's what I want to show you though. God says to do something for the chief down at the Red Sea. And so, why was God trying to keep them from fearing in the land of the Philistine? They were going to fear when they got down here by the Red Sea. God had a plan. And God was going to do some things in His plan. And I want you to see what His plan is here. The Bible said here in verse number 18, but God led the people about through the way of the wilderness. Of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. Drop to verse number 21. Verse number, chapter 13, verse number 21 of Exodus says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night. From before the people. So we understand here that the Lord, we understand this uh, cloud and this, uh, this pillar of fire is a picture and a type of the Holy Ghost of God. There's leadership, there's direction, there's something that they can see to help them navigate where they are going. 
All right, and so they've not gone to the land of Philistine, but they've gone down by the way through the wilderness to by the Red Sea. And verse chapter 14, verse number one says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before uh, the Pahoroth between Migdal and the sea over against Balzaphon. Before it, before it shall you encamp by the sea, for Pharaoh will say. Now listen to me here. It's not important. It's important what Pharaoh says as what God's trying to do. Think about this. The reason, the reason that they've gone the way that they've gone is not just to escape the fear of the Philistines, although that was it. But we know that fear is going to trap the hearts of the children of Israel right on down in the next few portions of this scripture. But God knew that by taking them the way that he took them, and by leading them the way that he led them, they were still going to be fearful. But he was going to, by doing this, it was going to cause Pharaoh to think something. Now, what is it that we find here in Psalms 57? They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bound out. They have digged a pit before me. We understand the adversary is a schemer and a plotter and a planner. And he's thinking ahead of the game. And he's looking out in the distance and he's going, oh. Oh, I can get them with this, sir. I can get them with that. And, and if what I've laid for them today don't get them, what I've laid for them tomorrow will free. And so we live in today. We don't live in tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of the things of tomorrow. And so today we're just wiping the sweat off of our brow, thankful that the, the devil didn't get us today. But there's a trap laying out there for us tomorrow. But look what God's doing. I like this because what we're going to see is the adversary is looking ahead of the people. But the devil is looking ahead of an adversary, friend. My Lord and Savior. So we feel like the Satan's out to get us and he's ahead of us. But when one step ahead of us is Satan, two steps ahead of us is the Lord, friend. And look what's happening here. He said, for Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, God's planning something. God is the one that knows what ignorant Pharaoh is fixing to do. And so he said, for Pharaoh will say to the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them up. So God wanted Pharaoh to think that. God wanted Pharaoh to feel that way. God wanted uh, Pharaoh to think that Pharaoh had God's people just where he wanted them. But listen, so I will harden Pharaoh's heart. But he shall follow after them and I will be honored upon Pharaoh. And upon all his host, that the Egyptians may know that I am the man, that I am the Lord. And they did so. You know why? He didn't let them go down to the land of the Philistine. They were going to fear. And they were going to go back. But you know why he took them where he did down here? They're still going to be fear. They're still going to be an adversary. There's still going to be all these things that there was if they went down to the land of the Philistines, except God is fixing to show his people just how mighty and powerful he is. You know, sometimes when we get down in this wilderness and we get to trying to, to navigate the mines and the, the nets and the traps and the snares and the holes in the ground, sometimes we forget who we've got leading us. Sometimes we forget that mercy and goodness is following us and that God's never failed us and never will fail us and will continue to lead us till he takes us home. Sometimes we get fearful of the adversary. You know what God wants this morning? God don't want us fearful of the adversary. He knew they would be fearful of the Philistines. God's goal was not for the children of Israel to fear the adversary, although he knew that they would. But he put them in a position that when it was all said and done, that they knew that they didn't need to fear the adversary. They needed to fear the God that they served, friend. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And if you're in the sound of my voice this morning, you not need not be fearful of anything but the one friend who died on the cross of Calvary who has the ability, friend, to turn your soul into hell. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. So Pharaoh thought that they were going to get tangled up. Pharaoh thought that they had messed up. Pharaoh didn't realize that all along God had a plan. All right, so verse number 13 said, Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. I appreciate that. 
Fear ye not. He knew that there was going to be fear in their heart. This is what he said. He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Let me tell you what happens here. Just paraphrase this for you for the sake of time. God knew that they were going to get down to the Dead Sea Shore. And they were going to fear and think that this is the very same thing that Pharaoh thought. Pharaoh thought, I've got them now. They're in Canaan down there in the wilderness. They're stuck. Guess what? God's people thought the same thing. Moses has let us down here. We're by the Red Seashore. The enemy's coming. We're stuck. You know what happens in that situation? Let me explain to you what happens. We're, we're looking at Psalms 57 and the and we're, we're walking around, and we're navigating, we're watching the, for holes in the ground, we're watching for the nets, and we're trying to be careful, and we're trying to be still, and we're trying to take one foot or the other foot upon the Lord as we navigate this dynamic world that we live in. This sin-cursed world, in this dynamic flesh, we're just putting one foot in front of the other foot slowly and letting the Lord that leads us, that good shepherd, uh, lead us through this particular minefield, this, this place that's been uh, laid for us to trap us. But you know what happens when somebody gets scared? Think about this. We're talking about cat and mouse now. We're talking about cat and mouse. You ever seen a cat chase a mouse? That little thing scurries around everywhere. It doesn't know where it's going to go. And sometimes when we get that way and the devil is following our trail and we get to the place where we don't know what to do and fear sets up in our heart because of the adversary, we get anxiety in it. And when we get anxiety in it, we can't stand still. You ever seen somebody who's waiting on bad news or they don't know if bad news is coming? They're just placing the floor, don't you? They don't know what, they can't sit still. They can't keep their hands from ringing. They don't know what to do. They're nervous wreck. And when you get nervous and you can't sit still, that's when you fall off into one of the holes, right? That's when you get trapped out of bed. The only thing that you can do this morning is to do things. Either stand still or face the enemy. See, here's the problem. They look and they see Pharaoh come. They see the Egyptian army on its way. They knew that the adversary had them trapped. And all they could do in that situation was either stand still or head back towards the place that they came. And a lot of times when we get anxiety with them, and we get tired of the fight, the devil traps us, friend. And you know what we wind up doing? We wind up going back to the very place that God brought us out of, friend. When all we had to do all along was have a good, healthy fear of the God that we serve and wait to trust on Him and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord for you. Man, I thank God He's a saving God. Not only did He save my soul from the devil's hell, but He saved me from the holes in the ground, from the snares through the tower, from the nets that's been laid for you. But there's been some times uh, when the devil uh, has backed me up uh, against the wall, and I didn't know what to do, Brother Gene. But I thank God uh, that when I didn't know what to do, God opened the door, friend, and let me get out of it. Thanks be unto God. Aren't you glad for the times, Frianna, when you didn't have nowhere to go and you didn't know what to do? But God made a way, friend. I thank God that He made a way. He made a way, friend. I thank God for that this morning. The Bible said here, verse 13, and Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. Lord, I love this. And the Bible said, the Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Let me say this to you this morning. Sometimes we see all we have to do, and all we can do is the first time we should. And I sit still and hold our peace. Keep our fat mouth shut. And wait on the one that's going to do my Savior tonight and for me to do what it is that He's going to do. Because when we have to face the devil, when we have to face the adversary, we're just not big enough or strong enough to handle it. And we're not smart enough to escape the holes in the ground. We ain't smart enough to stay out of the net to the center of the power. But I say 
show up and do something for the genie. But God did it in such a manner that had never been seen or witnessed by man before. Sometimes the very thing we get involved in we think there's no way. It's not possible. It can't be done. It's never been done this way before. He specializes. I serve a God that specializes in making a way with the news. No way. Let me say to you there was a time for the genie when I was a little bit more, I was on my way to the table. And there was no way to go and for all that sin and come short of the glory of God. There was no way that my head and soul could sit and start off with man when I think we were going to say that there was one that made a way when there was no way. God sent his son, born of a woman, made under the law. To redeem them that are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. I was a hell-bound, fatherless sinner child. But God sent his son and made a way. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. <laughs> You know what? There was no way right here at the Red Sea. But they knew the way. They just didn't realize it. The one that was leading them all along was the way. And I'll say this to you, friend. If you're out wandering in this world, never having accepted him in the free pardon of sin, you're in a mess. The devil's got you backed up against a wall. You're in a place where you can't do nothing about it. You're in a situation where hell is your only option, friend, except for Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but my me. People are looking for every other way today to escape their problems except for looking up towards the Lord. Jesus Christ. You know what we got to do? We just have to look to Him. Hey, we might have to sit. We might have to wait. We might have to be quiet from time to time. But Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And at the end of the day, when this transpired, let's, let's read on here for just a minute. The Bible said in verse number 20 of Exodus chapter number 14, And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to thee, so that the one came not near the other all the night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. So right now they're witnessing some things. And made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground. And the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand. And on their left, and the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. That, now listen, they thought, the enemy thought that they had trapped. They thought that they had trapped God's people. And they got so persistent that they wound up being in the trap themselves. And it said, and it came to pass that in the morning, watch the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire, and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels and they drained them heavily so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. It was too late, friend. The wrath of God had only already come upon them. Listen, let me say this. If you've never been saved, you better not wait, friend, until the wrath of God comes upon this place. So then the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thy hand over the sea that the waters may come up again upon the Egyptians, upon their church, and upon their horsemen. Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, and the waters returned, listen now, and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them that remained not so much as one of them. Now look at verse 31. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people, listen now, feared the Lord. 
Do you know why they feared the Lord, Brother Gene? Because they realized that God was mightier than the adversary that was chasing them. And he's still mightier than the adversary today. Thanks be unto God right there. The Bible said in verse 1, Then sang Moses, There was a new song in their lips because of the salvation of the Lord. So then sang Moses and the children of Israel, this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord. Drop down to verse 2. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. If he's never become your salvation this morning, I invite you, friend, to come and accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. Because the Bible tells us that there's a place called hell. And hell is enlarging itself every day. And men, women, boys, and girls who die and have never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior go to that place called hell and they will forever, friend, be in that place of torment. So the Bible said here, the Lord is my strength in verse 2 and he has become my salvation. He is my God. I will prepare him in habitation. My father's God and I will exalt him. Let's move over to verse 11. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? This is exactly where God was trying to get them to right here. He didn't want them to take them to the land of the Philistines because they were going to fear the Philistines and go back to where they came from. But through a chain of events, God's shown them some things. God straightened out the adversary and dealt with them past judgment. God showed his people just how big he was. And this is what we find. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? In other words, there's none like you, Lord, in, this, in all of the universe. Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. In other words, this is what they're saying here. Listen now, don't miss this. Lord, you're the Lord among gods. There's none mightier than you. Who is like these? what they're questioning. They're saying glorious in holiness. Your holiness is so great is what they're saying. But then it says fearful in praises. Even, Brother Gene, when they were praising him, even when they were thanking him, even when they were magnifying his holiness, they were still fearful of him. You know what we need today? We need to quit fearing Washington. Yeah, that's right. We need to quit fearing what's fixing to happen in this coronavirus pandemic. Because I got something, I got some news for you. We got some things far more important going on right now than our election. We got some more important things to worry about today uh, than just what's going to happen to us uh, in our first death. Now let me let me read to you something here if I can. Turn your Bibles quickly and I'll be done. Luke chapter number 12. Luke chapter number 12. I want to read to you a portion of scripture that a lot of times is quoted out of the book of Matthew. But I like the way that Luke 12 is written. Sheds a little bit different light, if you will. Luke 12 and verse number 4. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body. Now you and I know it's appointed unto man once to die, right? Because Adam sinned in the garden, a death has passed upon all mankind. And the Bible says, for all have sinned. So here's what I want you to see. He said, I will, uh, and I said to you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body. Okay, why is that? We're all going to die, right? People are scurrying around today like rats, running to and fro, trying to keep a virus from killing them. You know, and don't get me wrong, I'm not going to go out here and lick a counter down at Burger King and see if I can get it, okay? But what I am saying is this, people are scared to death about this first day, and they're doing everything they can to keep from dying, and we're worried and sick that something could kill us. But guess what? We're all going to die the first day. Because it's according to the man wants to die. What's going to matter is the eternity that follows that first day. Because that'll be an eternity somewhere, friend. Heaven 
or hell. But listen, and I say to you, friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. In other words, don't fear somebody that can kill your body because after they kill your body, Brother Gene, there ain't a thing they can do after that. Listen to me now. We may find ourselves in a political world that's so crooked and so messed up that because of the very religious beliefs that we hold today and stand on that Bible, they could possibly kill me, Brother Gene. It may come to the place where I have to decide if I'm going to come to church and die or stay at home and live. And that's where a lot of people are at. They're scared to death of what's going to happen. But the Lord's saying here, He's saying, and I say unto you, friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But Jesus says, but I will forewarn you. Let me tell you something this morning. When Jesus makes a warning, a warning that Jesus makes is a warning that we ought to hearken to. He says, but I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. So Psalms 103 when I consider Psalms 103, verse 13 says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. You'd get a good dose of fear this morning if you'd realize that Jesus Christ, who come and died to pardon your soul, has the ability to send you to a devil's hell, friend. He'd pity you as his child. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for me in his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it and is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. Friend, this world's going to keep turning, Brother Gene, when you're gone. And when I'm gone, this world's going to keep turning. And people still going to go down here to Walmart, Brother Margaret, and buy their groceries. Brother Lord, they still going to be sales to have to be packed, whether I'm here or not. The sun's still going to rise and it's still going to set and this world ain't going to remember me one day. But this is what the Bible said. But the mercy, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Boy, surely goodness and mercy, Brother Jim, going to keep following me. I thank God for that. Revelation 21.8 says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable. See, there's some people that fear things today. There's these people that fear this first death that we just spoke about. But they're unbelieving. And so the fearful and unbelieving, in other words, they don't know what to be fearful of. If they believed in the Lord and what the Lord had done and what the Lord was capable of, they'd be fearful of the Lord. Not just fearful of death, but fearful of the one that could send them to the devil's hell, which is the second death. But the fearful unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and scorners and adulterers and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Everybody's trying to escape the first one and they're not considering the second one free. The first one's coming. The second one don't have to today, friend. John 3 and 18 says, He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You know what condemned is? It's pronounced to be guilty. For all his sin that comes short of the glory of God. We're guilty, Brother Shane. I was born condemned and guilty and on my way to hell. And condemned also means sentenced to punishment. Revelation 20 and 15 said, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now let me explain to you something this morning. The devil's laying a trap for us. And he's always going to lay a trap for us. He's always going to try to trip us up and catch us in a hole and grab us with a net or catch us as a snare or another foul. But I do want you to know this. No matter what the devil tries to do, no matter what the devil's out to do for us, I've got one that's one step ahead of the devil. 
And the devil in the garden of Eden thought he was going to trap mankind for the genie and cause all mankind to be hell-bound sinners. But I'm thankful that before the foundations of the world, Jesus Christ was. And God knew that Christ was going to have to go to Calvary and bleed and die. And while Satan was sealed and caused to take all of mankind over, Jesus already had a plan. But it was already a way that was going to be made for you and I to escape damnation. And it's that way today in our everyday life is going to give believers. Yes, there's traps. Yes, there's holes. Yes, there's trouble. Yes, we've got to be careful. But I want to say this. Sometimes we need to just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The second we get anxiety ridden, the second we start running to and fro, the second we start pulling our hair and not knowing what to do, the second we're going to know ourselves off in the trap in which the devil played for us. You know why we fall into the traps of the devil for the shame? Because of our own doings. Our own doings. Maybe this morning what you need to do is stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Maybe this morning you've run and run and run and run and run. And you're scared to death and you don't know what to do. And you're about ready to throw your hands up and quit. And you're ready to throw in the white towel and surrender, friend. And I'm begging you not to do that. Isaiah chapter number 40. Says this in verse number 28. Hast thou not known? Let's all stand to our feet this morning. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? That the everlasting God. The Lord. The creator of the ends of the earth. Fainteth not. Neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might. He increaseth strength. You know what? When you've run, 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 and you don't know what to do, and all there is left to do is sit down and see the salvation of the Lord, you're going to get the rest, friend, that you need just from sitting still. He's going to give you the rest, and He's going to show you the salvation of the Lord. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. I got news for you, Brother Gene. It don't matter if you're 78, 88, 108, or 28. You're going to get weary and faint if you're always fighting the devil in your own power. So even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I'm glad that after I've sat for just a little while, I've got the rest that I need, and I'm seeing the salvation of the Lord. That when He picks you back up in Jesus, no longer scurrying again, just right back to walking, one step further. Maybe somebody here this morning who's found themselves in such a situation that all you can do right now is scurry. All you can do is face the floor. All you can do is pull your hair out. Don't know which way to go. You're going to run yourself off, friend, in the very trap that Satan has laid for you. Maybe you're here this morning. Satan's laid a trap for you. You're on your way to a devil's hell. There seems like there is no way. The enemy acts like he's got you entangled. He's got you where he wants you. You better stand still, friend, and see the salvation of the Lord. This morning is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't try to plan for another day. I said, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Every one of us have the potential of walking outside dim doors and not be able to make it back tonight. What are you going to do, friend? What are you going to do this morning? You need to come do business with God. I would that you would come. Ever head bowed, ever high closed this morning.